along with us. We've been doing the entire New Testament together for 40 days. And the only problem that I see is, how am I going to give a Easter message on the book of Revelation? I'm still trying to figure that one out, but just come on Easter and you'll find out. Well, this week as I was going through, I mean, of course, we went through Hebrews, James, and Mark this week. And of course, some of the big important things in Hebrew is the top, Hebrews and James is the topic of faith. And I just kept getting hit back, um, as I was reading it, faith, 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 faith. And I began to think like, wow, this is a pretty important theme. And then I started to think, you know, as Christians, we sort of are looked at as people that just have blind faith, aren't we? We're sort of looked at as people that just believe it just because you believe it. I mean, there's really no good reason for it. You just sort of believe it. Uh, and why do you believe that Jesus came and died? Well, I just believe it. You know, I just, I just think it's right. And, and we sort of start from that assumption. You know, faith is sort of like the be- beginning and building block. But if we don't have evidence for our faith, then we don't have much faith at all. And, you know, each one of us, whether we're a Christian, an atheist, or, or whoever, or whatever it is that you believe, every single person starts with faith. Even people that don't believe that in faith start with faith. I know they don't believe they do, but they do. I know that gets kind of confusing, but here's how. Each and every single one of us start with the assumption that our universe is rationally intelligible. What does that mean for any of us? It means that we believe that we could be rational about life. It means we believe that we could be rational about what happened in explaining how the cosmos all came together to form life on earth and, and how God did it all. I mean, it means that we believe that we could be rational about it. That's all it means. If you're an atheist, you believe that you could be rational. If you're a Christian, you believe that you could be rational. We all start from faith. Every single one of us. And some of us go different directions from there. We all go different directions. And again, I've been giving a little commercial every single week. I had a great dinner um, with my atheist friend on Monday. And I'm getting to have these awkward conversations with people before you get to see them. Um, but right after Easter, we're going to start a series. I'm going to teach for a couple weeks. And then we're going to bring some people in. And we're going to have awkward conversations with them. Um, my atheist friend, who's a chief uh, scientist for a gas and oil company, he's going to sit up here with me and we're going to go back and forth on um, whether we were created or whether we evolved and why that's important. And we're going to allow you guys to ask any questions. You have note cards. If you think of questions now that you want to ask, there's note cards in the bulletin, feel free to ask them. We, um, we're going to just be having dialogue and awkward conversations because for you, we want you to know how to approach and how to have conversations and be equipped in your faith on how to deal with issues such as atheism and biology and hasn't science killed God and all that stuff. Because the fact of the matter is it has not. So um, in any sense, in any case, that's a commercial coming up after Easter. I'm super excited about that. Anyways, faith is built on evidence. Faith is built on evidence. Why are any of you here today? You have good evidence that this service was going to happen today. It's been happening every single Sunday for 60 years at 10.30 a.m. Not only that, it's on our website all over the place. It's on signs out front. You knew you have great evidence to say that this church service was going to happen. I come here every week. They do this every single Sunday. 
you had great evidence to believe that we were going to have church today, didn't you? Other people, um, people sometimes ask me, oh, do you have church this week? And I kind of answer it like my father-in-law. You know, I ask, oh, are you golfing this week? And he just says, is it Sunday? You know, and I just say, hey, is it Sunday? <laughs> Absolutely. Faith comes from the Latin word fidas. Fidas, Latin words are, are a lot of times put, um, clumped together with other Latin words that, that are um, parallels and similar. And in that Latin root, the word goes along with reason and evidence. So our faith is not blind. So we don't know what, it's not like, oh, I don't really know what I'm talking about. I just believe it. There's actually more to it. Patrick, the sermon isn't that bad yet. It'll get there. I guarantee you. Quick example. Desiree and I have been working through um, a foster to adopt process in our family. And one of the things that the court, or not the court, but the, the county does, is they want to have good evidence to give us a child. So what they want to do is they want to put their, be able to put their faith in us and their confidence in us that we're going to be able to care for this baby just as well as anybody else or the, the natural parents. And so they are looking at our finances. They're looking at our health. They're doing a home inspection. We've got to go to, um, we went to six days, 33 hours of classes on Saturdays. I mean, there is a huge process for them to put their faith in us. They want to examine the evidence. My point is, as Christians, why don't we examine that same evidence for what we say we believe? Let's go over the evidence. She's getting a bottle ready, guys. It's okay. Evidence is not blind. I hope that the evidence or the faith that you have in your spouse is not blind faith. I hope that the faith that you have in your spouse is actually evidence-based, that you know that your spouse loves you and supports you. I hope that's evidence-based. What does the record show? Even in the very beginning um, of, or at the end of one of the Gospels, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses, 20, or verses 30 through 31, says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So here's what John is saying. I'm one of the disciples. I wrote these down so that you have faith. The eyewitness evidence that I saw, I wrote down so that you can uh, firmly place your confidence in Jesus. Faith built on evidence. And he's saying, I wrote this evidence down. That's what the book of John is. And that's what John is telling us. So let's look at Hebrews 11, the definition. It's a, it's a classic definition of faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, and this is in the NIV version, which we've been reading in the 40-day uh, New Testament Bible. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance of what we do not see. Now, I don't do this very often, but one of the things I really want to look at this is in the King James Version, because it actually, um, see, every English version that you read of the Bible is a translation. They take it from Greek, to English. And they take, uh, you know, English has changed a lot over the years. And one of the things that they do is they put it more and more and more modern English. But one of the things about the King James Version that's, that's cool is that they sort of are a little bit more consistent with the Greek. And I found that as I was studying both of these in the Greek and the English, 
that I think that the King James Version is a little bit more consistent with what the Greek actually says. And so here's what the King James Version says. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Did you catch that? Substance and evidence. Now, let's break this down a second. So substance um, in the Greek means the structure or the foundation. Faith is the structure or the foundation. So our faith has a foundation to it. So what is that foundation? Now, this Greek word um, is, is hupostasis. is actually the, the root word for a really theological term that you don't even want to try and write down. It's called the hypostatic union, which it means Jesus was both God and human. So it's actually kind of interesting that they used faith as that same word, that God is both God and human. But the idea is that the structure is actually Christ. The structure is actually God revealed to humanity. And we did this with my Sunday school, but we did this with junior hires and high schoolers, and they got it this morning. And so hopefully you'll get it right now. The idea that if our universe was started, then what started it? Okay, fine. If the Big Bang started it, great. I'm not going to ask the question. I was just thinking. If the Big Bang started it, then what was the first cause of that? Okay, is there intelligence in the universe? Okay, great. Yes, there is. Because there's a whole debate on this. We're going to get into that later. We're just going to assume that, yes, intelligence is there. Then what is that intelligence? Okay, if we believe it's God, then has God ever been revealed on the earth? And if you're like me, you're analytical, and you've looked at every single world religion because you really cared about this stuff when you're 14 through 18. You didn't want to make the wrong choice. And then all of a sudden you realize that Jesus is really the only person in history that fits the criteria for God being revealed to humanity. And so you see that, I mean, for me, I see that God has been revealed. I've matched that evidence up to see that God is revealed. So what the writer is saying is we don't have blind faith here. We have substance. You don't have blind faith. You can't stand on blind faith. And the substance is actually the evidence. And we have hope precisely because of that evidence. So much of Christianity is seen by the world as having blind faith. People look at you, they look at me, and they, they think you're crazy. They think that you're irrational for being a Christian. You must just have blind faith. Blind faith is faith without any substance at all. But blind faith could also be very dangerous. Think about this. Blind faith matched with authority, unchecked authority. What happens? People fly airplanes into towers in the name of God. People blow themselves up at checkpoints in the name of God. People stockpile large amounts of weapons and have shootouts with the FBI in the name of God. That is blind faith. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not what I have. That's not what you have. We don't have blind faith. We have faith built on substance, not on nothing. Blind faith can be very dangerous. Sometimes missionaries from um, other faiths will come and knock at my door and want to share what they believe with me. They want to share the gospel. And I simply just ask them what the evidence is for their faith. I don't want to be a, a Christian pastor that stands up here and says, um, any, everything else, you know, any other truth, there's no truth in there. Everybody else just goes to hell. I want to be the Christian pastor that says, 
If you believe it, fine, just show me the evidence for it. That's great. Just show me the evidence for it. And I'll show you the evidence for my faith. Fine. We'll do that. Because then it encourages dialogue. And then you get into some really, I've had some very frustrated missionaries leave my house when I simply ask them for the evidence. And they say, well, I just really believe it. And I say, well, that's kind of subjective, don't you think? Tell me, on what basis do you really believe it? And they kind of just stare at me and they say, I just really feel it. But see, the problem is, a lot of times that's what we sound like, right? But we can have better evidence than that. We can actually have confidence because faith reminds us, the very word faith reminds us that we can have confidence. That's one of the definitions of it. That we can have confidence in what it is we believe. So we do have to understand um, that there is evidence behind our faith. And we're going to look at that after Easter in a lot more depth. But let's just pause to look at one thing right now. Hebrews 11.3 says this. Um, By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So here, the writer of Hebrews is saying, making a huge pronouncement statement. It's because some of you are afraid I'm going to trip on my shoelace. I'm going to talk and tie at the same time. I can multitask and I'm a man. Can you believe it? Actually, I just fooled you into thinking I can multitask because I stopped talking while I was tying my shoes. Um, so the writer of Hebrews is saying that the universe was created, that God spoke it into existence, and out of things that you could not see, it formed things that you could see. This is crazy talk. You have to understand in the first century, people would have thought this guy is wacko, that this guy is just losing it, that nobody believes this. Are you insane? Because the main worldview at the time was this guy named Aristotle. How many of you have heard of Aristotle? Okay, everybody's heard of Aristotle. Aristotle believed that the world and the universe just always existed. That was the predominant worldview. The predominant worldview that was that the universe just always existed and it actually did not change until, does anybody know when? That was the predominant worldview, even for scientists, almost all the way up. I mean, there was some sense of changing that um, in the 16, 17, 1800s, but really until there was evidence for the Big Bang in the 1970s did scientists really say, okay, there really was a first starting point of our universe. So for thousands and thousands of years, people just believed that the world and the universe was just linear. There was no beginning, no end. There was no time outside of what Earth was. And, and the idea was that nothing, I mean, it just always was there. It was eternal, forever. And so Aristotle, because he was an, a philosopher, a biologist, a mathematician, uh, uh, he was involved in physics and medicine, and one of the smartest people in antiquity. Everybody just said, oh yeah, that must be right. Turns out, you know, almost 2,000 years later, he was wrong on what it was he believed. Actually, a little more than 2,000 years later, he was wrong. But that was the predominant worldview. And yet we have this person in Hebrews saying something crazy, like we believe that God just formed it all, and he spoke it into existence. And out of nothing, something was created, or out of things that were unseen. Can you see hydrogen atoms, carbon atoms? Can you see atoms? I realize you're not all scientists here, and neither am I. But the idea, even 
atheist cosmetologists will tell you we were formed out of stardust. What does that tell you? A giant large explosion. You know what God said? Let there be light. Explosions. I'm a pyromaniac sometimes, like at camping. I throw stuff into fire because it will explode. It's a lot of fun. I know, the youth pastor in me still lives and needs to come out. Um, but what happens? There's light. Now, was this sufficient evidence for you guys this morning? Probably not. I, I don't expect it to be because we're not going through very scientific on this. But my point is that the Bible got it right 2,000 years ago. And even more than that, the Bible got it right. The scientific narrative for centuries and millennia have been saying, the Bible has it wrong. But right here in Hebrews, and we could take this as an argument all the way back to Jesus, the resurrection, his miracles, and the existence in the beginning of the universe, but that is for a time after Easter. My point is that when the writer said, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible, he got it right. Invisible particles of dust. Science now tells us that each one of us, the universe, our world, our, the dust on the ground is actually stardust. And that you are formed out of stardust. And what does the Bible say? God took the dust of the, God took the, dust of the ground and he created human life. The Bible is consistent with science. Actually, science more so proves biblical narrative than anything else. So I love that there's this idea of blind faith and faith. And we have this idea sometimes as Christians, like, well, I don't know. I just have this, this I just believe. Well, you know what? I think God wants to bring us to a point where we could defend that. And sometimes it's with our own experience. What did Paul do? When Paul was called to the carpet, he said, I don't know. But all I know is that God appeared to me. And here's the evidence of my life. I used to persecute Christians, but now I'm one of them. There's the evidence of my life. And then we get into the book of James, and there's all kinds of interesting things. I'm going to start on page, if you have this Bible, it's uh, page 314. If you don't, it'd be uh, James chapter 1. James takes this idea of faith, and he personalizes it. James, of course, is the brother of um, Jesus. And he says this. This is uh, it's James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, will also be blessed in what they do. What James is saying is don't just pretend. Don't just have the knowledge up here. That's not good enough. Don't just know it, but go and do it. Have you ever read the Bible and you sort of just felt like God is prompting you to do something? It's like you know what's right, and then you sort of like are in that situation, and you know what's right to do. Having faith is doing that because you're acting on the evidence. Have you ever come to church and thought, oh boy, I really need to change this part of my life. 
man, I don't know what it is, but God's just been calling it out of me that, that I need to change this attitude or I need to change this part of my heart. I, you know, there's this area of my life that I just need to change that. Have you ever had that experience? Act on the evidence. James chapter 2, verses uh, 14 through 19 says this. This is page 315 in these Bibles that we've been reading. Um, it says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about it, their physical needs, what, is, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accomplished by, uh, accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me faith, your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. James points out, James' point was precisely that you could not actually show faith without actions. That your, your actions, what you live out, is actually a result of what's up here and what you believe. The mind, one of the reasons we, we talk about um, reading the Bible often and praying often and, and being in Christian community often is because the mind sets the stage for your will to choose. What you put in your mind sets the stage for you to make choices in your life. And so here what James is saying is essentially what, you're, what you put in, there's an output. And so if you actually believe this, then there's some consequences of living that way. You actually need to live that way. Though your life is the evidence that you create of your own faith. Your life is the evidence of what you believe. James 5, 13-16 says this, If anyone among you is in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. See, we have to understand that the church really did have this evidence of the power of God because the earliest disciples were walking around with the resurrected Jesus. Now, if you went to a cemetery and you plopped down a chair and you sat there, what percentage of the people do you think would actually rise? Zero, right? People who die don't normally raise to life again. And yet they were walking around with a guy that they saw die. Now, the Romans had a pretty awesome track record for persecution. They killed people 100% of the time. And Jesus was one of those people. He was, he was crucified, and he had this, this giant spear stabbed into his kidney area, and water flowed out. The dude was dead. Three days, lying in a tomb, and walked around with his disciples. Not only did the disciples see it, but they say about 500 other witnesses. And not only that, but they gave their entire lives for that. Not only that, but we actually have the Bible that proves it. And why does the Bible prove it? Because the Bible, the earliest gospel, was written 33 years after Jesus' death. 
Do you think it ever would have circulated and, and gone around if it was a lie? Do you think that, that um, the disciples would have given all their lives to protect a lie? I don't think so. I don't think that that's rational or intelligent to do that. I think that they would have, um, but, they, but they died um, protecting the truth. We very often will die for a truth, but we won't die for a lie. And so what this is saying is, if anybody's in trouble, if anybody's sick, if anybody's like that, just pray for them. They understood the power of resurrected Jesus was with them. So simply pray. And he says, a prayer offered in faith will heal them. And they had good evidence for that. You know what that was? The resurrection of Jesus. And here's one of the things that James is, is kind of saying, but didn't exactly say, but we kind of know to be true just by experience. Every time you live out your faith, it grows. Every time you live out your faith, you build on that structure. You have evidence, and so you take a step out and say, okay, God, I believe it, and you live it out, and you, you walk with people through life, and it grows. Every time you step out in faith, your faith grows. Here's one of the reasons I know this. There are times, probably more frequent than not, that I preach a terrible sermon. That it's just boring. I come down, I sit down, and Desiree's like, how'd it go? And I'm like, fell flat. And then I go at the door, and somebody goes, oh, man, when you said this, that just really hit me. And I'm like, that's great, but I didn't say that. You know, <laughs> it, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I have faith that God is actually working more at this time right now than I am. That it is God speaking, not, not me. And that God is like actually talking to you. There's this divine trilogue happening. That the Holy Spirit is at work even in this moment. So sometimes when by every academic standard I give a junk sermon, God does something cool with it. And somebody comes and says, oh man, when you said this, I'm like, I didn't say that. But I'm glad God was speaking to you. And what I say to that, when, even when I know I don't tell my, I didn't, I don't tell him I didn't say that. I say, God must have been speaking to me. <laughs> I know what happened. I have faith that Desiree and I will be provided for financially. Um, I want to tell a quick story. There's uh, this, this last year, Emma broke her leg. And we'll, let me give you a better version of that story. I broke her leg. Um, we were jumping on a trampoline at the trampoline park, and I thought it'd be fun to jump behind her, and I jumped behind her, and she fell down on the trampoline, and her leg just snapped. We took her to the hospital, and the doctor goes, hey, sweetie pie, what happened? And she's like, my daddy broke my leg. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to get around this. Four-year-olds are real honest. And and um, the the medical bills we got from that were just staggering. And I just said to Des, we just need to pray about it. I don't know how we're going to get paid, but we just need to pray about it. And there was a December, we were putting this wall up, actually, and there was a December morning where my phone rang four times. I got four outside speaking engagements in one day, and I got a little bit extra money for those. And then in the, that following uh, two months, I had 10 outside speaking engagements, more than I've ever gotten in the last two years, and those paid literally most of the, this bill of 
Emma's broken leg. And we just looked at each other and was like, there is no rational explanation as to why this just happened. So that was really cool. Because we simply just committed it to prayer and said, okay, God, you've got to pay this bill. We don't really know what to do with it. And I was standing right here watching the guys work because it was just a day that they didn't need me. And, um, and my phone, literally within a couple hours, rang four times on four outside engagements. And I just went, wow, God, you're the God that provides. You're the God that pays bills. So, ladies and gentlemen, as we close this morning, uh, there's two points. One, faith is always built on evidence. Faith is always built on evidence. There should always be good, sound, solid evidence for your faith. And if you're sitting here this morning thinking, I don't have evidence for my faith. I know I believe in Jesus. I grew up as a Christian. I grew up following this stuff. But I need better evidence for that. I'd love to give you some resources for that. Two. If you believe that Jesus is God, your life, your body, who you are should be great evidence for what you believe. So if you were to die and we were to lay you out on a table, all your stuff, all your money, all your, your time, your kids, we were to interview your coworkers and all that stuff, we should have really good evidence for your faith. That's what the book of James says. The entire book of James is literally just saying, where's the, where's the beef? Where's the evidence for your faith in the way that you live it out? So we should be able to look at all your entire life and see it. Folks, today, I just think that we need to say, do I really have that in my life? Do I really have evidence there? Would people believe it if I told them I was a Christian? Would people believe it if I don't follow Jesus? But the way that you live your life, would they believe it? Maybe you're here today and you're like, no, I don't think people would. Or maybe you're here today and you're grappling with what that evidence is. One of the things that the Bible constantly says to do is seek and you will find. I'm going to pray that you would seek this morning. And two, that your life would begin to show that evidence. Let's pray. Father, Lord, for those here today who say, God, I don't have the evidence that I need to follow you. Lord, I know that you say, seek and you will find. Lord, I pray that people here would seek you out in a powerful way and find you. Lord, I pray that um, for those of us who believe it in our head and our heart, that it would translate to our hands and that we would live it. God, for the sake of the world, that we would live out what we believe. That we would begin to love our enemies, pray for those who persecute us, God, that we would love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And Lord, above all else, that we would love you and that would be translated into every action in our lives. So God, we pray that you would move right now in this moment and work on our hearts and our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.